You should celebrate yourself every day, but some days you should celebrate with jewelry. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection, Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Coming up on today's edition of the Chase Thomas Podcast, the Friday, May 19th, 2023 edition, we got stats by Will, Will Warren, talking about Duke returning four starters, why they're the favorites next year, uh, Nebraska, they're probably a tournament team, uh, which you may not have guessed from Hoiberg's bunch going into next year, uh, Caleb Love decommits from Michigan, how NC State flipped the script in 2023, and, and more coming up with Will Warren, all things college basketball, because it is Friday, and that is what we do on Friday editions of this program plus special interview with camden county head football coach jeff heron to talk all things wildcat football down there in south georgia what's uh on the docket for this summer how spring practice went uh what he's looking forward to going into uh, the 2023 season uh in camden uh the elite play of class 7a football in georgia all that and more with jeff Heron as well. So big show for you guys today here on this Friday. And uh, let's get to it. Uncle Darren, let's go. Chase Thomas podcast. The Chase Thomas podcast. Um, my nephew needs me to record. See, I hate, I already hate it. I hate it. All right. Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Chase Thomas podcast where I'm still the aforementioned Chase Thomas coming to you live from Everything School HQ, Knoxville, Tennessee, up there in New York City. Not New York City. Not Atlanta. They're they're saying it's the New York City of the South. Well, I was doing a bit. I was going to keep bouncing around because there's Los Angeles. It's it's me and Adam Friedland. We're together again. (laughs) It's Oak Ridge. Uh, We were talking (laughs) about Oak Ridge there, folks. And we would have gotten down to the nitty-gritty there at some point. We would have narrowed it down to from New York to Oak Ridge at some point in this intro. It's Mr. Stats by Will himself, Will Warren. Will, good evening, sir. How are you? I'm doing great. I'm very good at ruining bits, as I've noticed. Mm -hmm. Uh, And uh, you also have good bits. Occasionally, I think. Occasionally. They require a little bit of cooking in the brain. But um, the best ones are off the... uh, uh, off the dome, so they say. Off the dome, that is what they say. Um, that I hope the they... I hope the kids still say that. I honestly don't know. Every I don't time know. I, t- I have a 
I have a coworker who's 24, and every time I talk to her, I feel extremely old. And What's I am the most 29. recent example of that? Uh, she was talking about uh, a trend she saw on TikTok. Mm-hmm. Uh, one, I do not have that app. And two, mm-hmm. uh, the way she explained it to me made it made me feel like I was 59, not 29. <laughs> and uh, I don't feel that old. I, I think spiritually I might be. But um, yeah, I, I feel older every day, definitely. I uh, I had someone ask me they were like I always feel old because I like I listen to jazz all the time like that's my go to so I'm just like riding around listening to Coltrane and uh, stuff like that and uh, even throughout the workday ASMR was one where they're like what is ASMR and I was like oh it's this suit no one's really doing ASMR no one's really doing throughout the workday I don't know how people like listen to mu- music with words to watch shows or um can handle talking or of any kind while trying to be productive that is not me whatsoever so i'm just like this old man who sits there with his little space heater and uh the jazz playing and my headphones on just i don't know i get reminded they're like you're just like a 87 year old larry david like this is this is kind of who you are yeah well i mean when i'm in the excel sheets or whatever i am you know probably doing like ambient music instrumental Mm. stuff but like normal work, I can just do whatever music wise or, uh, do you like write various... with words or do you need, uh, what do you write to? I, I write to probably wordless music a lot. Yeah. I very occasionally I'll put on like a radio show or something in the background, mm-hmm. but it, it generally distracts me, especially if it's like one of the funnier ones. Mm. So, uh, yeah, wordless music or like, I have a soft spot, weirdly, for like writing to Fleetwood Mac because it's soft <laughs> rock, so it's not like overly distracting. But I know it's good, and I like it, and it just sort of occupies the background in a nice way. There you go. Um, which naturally leads us to college basketball, Will, which is what we're going to talk <laughs> about on this very program here. A um, couple different uh, off-season questions uh, that we're going to get to here on the program. And the first is... Duke gets Jeremy Roach back. They're going to return, what, four starters uh, from last year's team. Um, I think when we talked in the last couple weeks, you kind of indicated that you were pretty high on the Blue Devils going into next year. Um, My question to you, are they the title favorite now going into next year with who they have returning, who's coming in? Or are there still some lingering questions that you would like to see answered come uh, time when they're actually on the floor and they're playing it out? Where, Where are you at with Duke? I think they're probably going to be the consensus title favorite entering mm. next year. Uh, I would, I can't immediately analyze or think of who would be the consensus number two. It's probably UConn, if mm. I had to guess. UConn or Marquette one. Maybe or Purdue. Kansas. Can't yeah. Purdue kind of strikes me more as regular season mm. than uh, until just proven otherwise. Unfortunately for them, but yeah, I, I think Duke's probably the consensus title favorite. I I think I phrased it like this the last time we discussed it i don't know that i would pick duke to be the best regular season team but once the calendar flips to march and to the ncaa's i would lean towards them being the most likely team to have the title uh 10 11 months from now i i just think you know they've got the biggest ceiling they have the best talent in college basketball top to bottom so many blue chip recruits in that roster I think everybody can more or less agree now that Shire seems pretty likely to be the correct hire for that job. I mean, he's got to prove it this year with getting them to uh, perform up to that potential. But, you know, there's a saying that goes around that, you know, 
the best gets are sometimes the one you've already got on your roster. Being able to get Roach to come back and being able to get Filipowski to come back, as well as Tyrese Proctor and Mark Mitchell, that's some great recruiting by uh, John Shire because like those guys could have gone and made NBA money. Maybe they could have gotten more starring roles elsewhere. But they all came back, and, I mean, he's got Duke's best roster I think they've had on paper in a few years. And, you know, it's it's an intriguing mix of mostly younger talent, but there's some older pieces that you always got to have the vet pieces on there, like Roach or like Ryan Young. Uh, but, you know, like we've mentioned, a lot of really good returners and some very intriguing new freshmen, Jared McCain and Sean Stewart, kind of chief among them. The biggest thing that Shire will have to adjust from what he showed you year one to year two is what? I think they've just got to be less clunky offensively. Mm. They had some big stretches of last season where it wasn't that they were terrible by any means on offense, but they they had a lot of times where it kind of felt like, you know, they weren't really sure who was the go-to guy. They weren't really sure of what they could do if Filipowski had to go out for foul trouble or was, you know, on the bench for whatever reason. Tennessee kind of exploited that a little bit where, you know, they understood that the offense more or less runs through Roach and what he's able to do both on and off the ball. And once Tennessee focused all their energy on stopping him and saying, you know, somebody else has to beat us, they had a really hard time finding that second option. That's probably not the best example to use because I think you and I are probably in agreement agreement there's not going to be an acc defense nearly as good as tennessee's no um but still you got to go through 30 plus games to get to march first so i want to see a little more consistency in the offensive end and i think there are some games where teams exploited that they were not the quickest footed in the front court a lot of pulling filipowski and ryan young out to the perimeter getting them in ball screens getting them unsettled defensively and duke got a lot better on defense as the season wound down uh, but it was still sort of an incomplete project. I mean, you know, it, it, it doesn't take much to remember uh, Olivier Kamwa scoring 27 against mm. Duke after scoring, I think, four in the first half. You know, he really showed, like, they 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 had good defense in the front court, but it was not the elite rim protection scheme we've grown to see. And they took Derek Lively out of that game really well, and Filipowski just kind of felt ineffective for the most part. So I kind of think that's the big thing. we got to see a little more from the front court, and I want to see a little more of variety offensively. But with that being said, you know, poor finish the last season, of course. I mean, the double-digit loss to Tennessee is a little surprising, frankly. Mm. But before that, they really had ripped off quite the good run from about mid-January onward. And it seemed to me like, you know, I don't know if it was Shire getting over first-year jitters or if it was the team adjusting to him versus K, or if it was just simply a very young team taking time to gel together. You know, I, I think they're going to start off on a much stronger foot in November than they did uh, in November 2022. Speaking of a much better foot in 2023, uh, when you look at a Big Ten team who struggled last year that – some roster changes, maybe some schematic changes, maybe some shot selection changes. Who do you see actually flipping the script a little bit? Are you all in on the Gophers flipping the yeah, script? Yeah. Is it Illinois getting back to what they were those early years with Underwood? Who who do you see kind of flipping the script most likely in 2023? Um, my pick here is a really dangerous one, but I actually believe in it. I think Nebraska is going to make the NCAA tournament. 
this is a monstrous tech. Uh, I I just really like what they've done with the roster. Um, Casey Tomonaga, my favorite player in the Big Ten, that's returning. Mm-hmm. Lovely player to watch sprinter on the court. But they got a lot of really cool ads on this team. Uh, mm-hmm. Juwan Gary from Alabama is going to be a really nice piece to have in that roster. Um, oh, I mean, like he played for them last year, but he's going to take on more of a starring role is what I'm getting at. Uh, Rink Mast. Mm. Not Rick, but Rink. Uh, not the former NASCAR driver, of course. Yeah. Uh, from Bradley, who is a tremendous piece on that Bradley team that made it to the NBC final. Bryce Williams from Charlotte, who I had highlighted as a piece I really wanted Tennessee to look after in the portal mm. because it's just a six foot seven Vescovy. Uh, that is going to treat them quite well in the Big Ten. Um, they're going to have one of the more exciting offenses the Big Ten has had in a while on paper. Mm. Um, I really like a lot of what they can do offensively with Williams, Tominaga, and uh, possibly you know both Gary and maybe Sam Hoiberg, who seems to be taking a step forward, uh, Fred's son. Mm. Uh, we do know coaches love playing their sons. Mm-hmm. So... I don't know. I really like what they've got on paper here. Mast at center is going to be a really nice piece because he is simply just a more versatile, better center than I think they've had in a while. Like he's a career 33% three-point shooter and is not afraid to take them. They're Mm -hmm. going to be able to spread the floor out really well. And that, to me, makes a huge difference in a conference that's got a lot of slow-footed centers. Like, you think of the Big Ten, you don't really think of five-out basketball, minus Penn State last year. You think of a lot of teams with a lot of big guys, and, you know, those guys, you know, tremendous rim protectors, hard to beat and bang with them. Like, nobody wants to beat and bang with Edie or Kofi Coburn a couple years back or whoever MSU is inevitably going to generate at center this season. Mm. But a lot of those teams really struggle with guarding five-out basketball and – what happens in March? Teams go smaller. They shoot a lot more threes. Mm. Um, and guards become more important. So I think Nebraska is going to have a uniquely tough skill set for teams to match up with, despite not having the most talented roster on paper. But, I, I mean, I really do think they're going to be capable not only of making the tournament, but making some noise once they get there. Man, I did not have, when I was putting this together, Nebraska making the tournament on my Will Warren bingo card here. I, I don't know. I, and this is, I don't think it's going to necessarily be a reflection of Hoiberg like turning the corner mm-hmm. as a coach, really. They're on, tar- they're on target to have far and away the most experienced roster in the Big Ten, which is what Penn State had last year, the same sort of. Uh, so they're dynamic. your pick, your Penn State this year, basically. Yeah, basically the Penn State were, they've, they've reloaded in the portal. They've got a lot of cool pieces coming back, and they clearly started to turn a corner last season a bit, where they were playing quite a bit better than they had in years prior. NIL may have saved uh, Fred Hoiberg's career. Like, cause I think Nebraska so, yeah. Sneaky has a very, very strong collective that I don't know if a lot of folks know. I, I think Fred Hoiberg's buyout saved Fred Hoiberg's career, to be fair, but this is also true, the NIL. Yeah. And it, I think, and the reason I also brought NIL is it just, it seems like it matters a whole lot more for transfers than guys coming in. And when you're in Nebraska, you need to be killing it in the portal. Cause not a lot of, you're just not going to get a lot of big time talent recruiting out of high school to move to corn country. It's just no. not going to happen. Other, other contender for this would be Rutgers. Uh, but the, uh, but the thing is, I don't think Rutgers is taking some sort of giant leap forward that we don't already know. About. You don't like, want Rutgers to make this leap though. You, there, yeah. it's a lot of slop. Yeah, it's, it's not fun to watch. But mm-hmm. 
I mean, like, I would be pretty surprised if they're not in next year's tournament. Like, it's not a great... So you think Rutgers and Nebraska make it? Yeah. How's okay, this under this, you? if you're going to do this, Will, who's out? Who falls out? Uh, this is... Here's my chaos scenario that I think is actually quite realistic. Mm. Rutgers and Nebraska and Northwestern all make it. Oh, wow. Michigan and Iowa both out. That means Juwan Howard's fired, right? Oh, yes, absolutely. And, I mean, we'll talk about Michigan shortly. Yeah. But uh, on paper, that roster is looking pretty nasty. And <laughs> uh, Iowa, I mean, like, Iowa kind of has a baseline of being Iowa more or yeah. less every year. But my thought is that eventually you're going to lose enough Murrays and you're not going to have a Murray in the wings to replace. Like, Can Caitlin Clark play both ways? Oh, God, I wish. That would be amazing. She'd probably still score 29 a game yeah. for them, too. Uh, and like I like Tony Perkins and the McCaffrey or Patrick McCaffrey who's coming back as well as the Sanforts, but mm. uh, it's going to be another year of like wondering why they do what they do defensively and if they will ever get a stop when they're playing like Purdue or Indiana. Um, so I don't know, but I, I definitely feel a lot more confident saying Michigan's not going to make it versus uh, the other half of that in Iowa. Well, speaking of Michigan, uh, Caleb Love's not going to Michigan. Uh, he reopened his. Uh, recruitment after decommitting uh, as a transfer to UM. Um, what does this mean for Michigan's roster in 2023, uh, Will? And where do you think he goes now? Where is there an obvious fit for Caleb Love at this point? Because a lot of spots have filled up, a lot of spots that maybe he could have gone beforehand. Could he go back to North Carolina? <laughs> is that a possibility? I mean, what what happens there and just how much trouble is this Michigan roster for next year? It's plausible. Um I would say on the uh, the the first half of this is you know why did he decommit? Mm. Uh, and a lot of people are going to have those questions. Um, he didn't get into Michigan, and it's yeah. you know it's not really it's a it's a it requires a little bit of explanation. Is what I'm getting at. Mm. For better or for worse, Michigan is one of the best learning institutions in America. And this is not like me being biased or whatever. This is just stating facts. What this means, though, is that they're incredibly restrictive on who they let in. Mm. And Caleb Love was going to transfer over as a junior. If you transfer as an undergrad, Michigan only allows you to transfer 60 credits from your previous school. Huh. Which means Caleb Love would have had two full years still at Michigan before getting a degree. So he would not have likely graduated at Michigan. He's on the Stetson Bennett track suddenly. He would have been on the Stetson Bennett track. And so... Because of that, and because I guess like maybe he didn't have the right credits, maybe he didn't have the right classes to match his uh, potential major. I'm not really sure of that, but mm. that's basically why this has happened two years in a row. It happened last year with Terrence Shannon. It's happened a couple of times on the football side in the past, and now it happens here. You know, that's tough for Jawan, but at the same time, if you're Jawan Howard, don't you think you would maybe avoid recruiting three year, like third year juniors? Like, wouldn't you? kind of stick to freshmen, sophomores, or grad transfers. I, I think about this because you look at the football side, and Jim Harbaugh's done a great job of that. They mm. really only go after, like, first-year guys or guys with one year left of eligibility. They don't mm. really go in the middle because of that restrict or that restraint. Hmm. Um, but what this does in the meantime, the, the funny thing is I don't actually feel, like, that much more down on Michigan's roster than I already did. I mm. already didn't like it because I don't like Caleb Love as a basketball player. Um <laughs> I'm sorry, but he's an inefficient chucker. And Mm. Michigan more or less already had a better version of that with Jet Howard. I'm not sure how that was supposed to get better. 
yeah, I'm not supposed to, I'm not sure how it's supposed to get better when you replace a better chucker with a worse one. Yeah. So, uh, especially one that needs to be on ball all the time when Michigan already has a freshman point guard, they like, and a second point guard coming back from an ACL tear. So I, I, the fit to me never made much sense. So it could be a, an addition by subtraction thing, but I think it's just sort of shallow rewards all around. Mm-hmm. It's not an NCAA tournament roster on paper that they've got now. And what they're staring down here in mid-May is a starting lineup where your point guard is a freshman that was not going to play much until the starting fre- uh, point guard towards ACL Terrence Williams, who lost his starting spot midway through last season, Namari Burnett, who's an Alabama, you know, fringe rotation player, and Trey Jackson, who played his way out of the rotation at Seton Hall last year. That's a terrible starting lineup for the Big Ten. That's not good enough. And they've got some rumors and have had some rumors consistently over the last um, month plus of uh, Olivier Kamwa potentially coming around and uh, filling a spot there. But it doesn't seem like that's going to happen. It seems like he's likely going to the pros. And if that is the case, then, you know, I don't really know where they turn from there. I mean, they are rumored to be chasing Ray J. Dennis from uh, Akron or Kent State 1. And I heard today that from a connected hashtag source that... um, uh, he's likely to go to Illinois, which would be, you know, second year in a row they've lost out on a key guy to Illinois. So, I mean, I think it's really bad. And, you know, I don't want to sort of hypothesize on what saves Juwan's job versus what doesn't. But it just kind of seems like it's in the best interest of all parties for this experiment to end after next season. I would be fascinated to see because I feel like they can do pretty well. Like this is a pretty appealing job still, and I wonder. Well, there's a ton of money. I mean, like yeah. the the NIL game clearly could be better. Uh, and you, who would like, be your number one, Will? Who's your number one uh, target in the year? Can't fire off a hot take like that just yet. Uh, Dusty <laughs> oh. May obviously is number one. Is um, that realistic though? He's Does he from have any Indiana. ties to Ann Arbor? He's from Big Ten country. Okay, so it's plausible. Uh, and and like Michigan has a has more money than God, so just like every big uh, school in the world, um, so it's not like they'd be short on, you know, blowing it on another coach. But mm. I think, you know, the the problem they're facing right now is that one coach of their two flagship programs has figured it out. They were able to use nil, you know, and I understand like we had the Hunter Dickinson complaint a few weeks back about him mm. not getting even six figures or whatever, but. That's not a Michigan-wide problem. The reason mm-hmm. Blake Corum came back is he got a ma- massive NIL deal. J.J. McCarthy has one. Nearly every key contributor on the playoff, you know, two-time playoff team uh, that comes back has a huge NIL deal. Mm. Michigan basketball has got to get their stuff together, kind of regardless who the coach is. But I think that the transfer strategy Juwan has pursued and the roster construction strategy he's taken on the last two seasons it does not make me confident that we're going to see a sudden shift in it getting better. I like it. Um, and, and quickly before yeah. I forget on the Caleb Love, where he's going to end up thing, I guess you kind of set UNC as the odds favorite. Mm. Um, but I have seen Texas will be a strong pursuer. Uh, and it seems like, it kind of seems like it's going to come down to being a Missouri versus Texas battle for now. 
before some other schools get in. I could see him doing okay at Mizzou. I would actually kind of prefer he end up at Missouri because then he can shoot, you know, four for 17 for that. That's what I'm saying. He's going to get his shots at Mizzou. Like, he is going to get the green light. But the, the problem with this, uh, as somebody who covers Tennessee, is that they'll, it's like, it would just be Xavier Pinson part two. Yeah. And then you have the one game where Xavier Pinson, like, actually plays basketball well for the first time in a year. Mm. Uh, and then you get that Caleb Love experience. So maybe he should go to Texas. There you go. Um, final two here real quick, Will. Deep dive from uh, the 2022 team that we wondered if their coach would still be their head coach at this time uh, here in the middle of May 2023. But NC State turned it around. They figured some stuff out. What happened with NC State this past year? What did, what did they do that you did not foresee uh, before the year? I, I think I was just low on Turquavian Smith uh, being as good as he was. I thought, you know, he, he he wasn't the team's best player, but he elevated their ceiling along with a couple of key guys in Char Kiljoyner and Casey Morsell, uh that just made their offense a lot better than I had anticipated. Um, best offense of the Keats era by far. Mm. You saw like a very early glimpse of what they were capable of when they played in that Atlantis tournament where they took Kansas pretty well to the wire and then beat, you know, it's not like Dayton or Butler were great teams, but those are still solid double-digit neutral court wins you own. Um, and then I think they kind of got lucky a little bit with the ACC being what it was. You know, I understand an ACC team made the Final Four or whatever like they always do, but there's 500 teams at that conference, so you would hope one does. Mm. But either way, I mean, I, I thought, you know, they, like I said, got a little lucky, but it doesn't matter. They finally got over the hump. They get in the tournament, and they have what looks like a reasonably real future going forward. Now, the problem with that is that last year's team was very old. Mm. So you lose Joyner. You lose Marcel. You lose Jack Clark, who is the fourth starter. Burns did elect to come back from what I saw. Mm. But what this means is that you return one starter from last year's team, uh, you lost Terquavian Smith to the NBA in all likelihood. Yeah. Um, and it's going to be hard to figure out what they do from there. So they get a nice transfer in Mohamed Diara from UConn. But uh, the rest of the transfers are what I would politely call questionable. So you have DJ Horn from Arizona State, who is mm. just like fine. Nothing great, nothing bad, just kind of fine. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jaden Taylor, who is very mid at Butler. Mm-hmm. MJ Rice, who is uh, very well buried on the bench at Kansas last year. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know. I kind of feel like we might have the, the reverse of this conversation next year. But at the same time, like Keats deserved a tournament bid at some point, And mm. it's nice for them to get there. They did a great job of avoiding turnovers all year. They had a lot of timely buckets. And... Uh, really stepped up their rebounding ability throughout the season. And I got to hand it one more time to DJ Burns, who continues to just be better than he should be. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, he's not, um, what I would say, the, the most athletically friendly player I've ever watched in my life. Mm-hmm. Um, he does have the body type of Cadillac from And One, uh, <laughs> but he gets buckets. It's what he does. He gets buckets. He gets rebounds. Uh-huh. Surprisingly good shot blocker for somebody who can't really jump. And I don't know. I'm I'm very excited. Even if NC State is kind of like mediocre as I'm anticipating this coming year, 
Mm. I'm very excited that we get one more year of DJ Burns in college. I like that. Um, Will, any stats that caught your eye uh, in the past week that you'd like to share with the the class? Uh, I wish I had a stat. I really Mm. don't. But um, I will say, did you see the video of... um, Josiah Jordan get James coming off of like a bunch of screens at the G League camp and just draining three after three. I did not, but that's and, I, and I was watching that video. I was like, oh yeah, of course, that's when he hits them now. He's gonna stick somewhere. He's gonna not, he's probably not gonna get drafted, but he's gonna get on with somebody as an undrafted guy. He uh, okay. So over under, and and I'm obviously gonna leave the over here, but we're gonna assume he's gonna go undrafted because he didn't even he didn't get to the NBA combine. So probably yeah, no, undrafted. he's going undrafted. Yeah. Over under 120 NBA games played in for his career. 120? Like when yes. you say played in, as in like he not just like touch the floor. floor, touch the floor. Oh, oh, way under. Under? Yeah. I actually would be tempted to go over because I, I mean, like you said, I think he could stick, and he has. If he ended up on the Heat, I actually think it might be the greatest thing to ever happen to him. Mm. Uh, just. For not only for their development record, but because they have like a real knack for picking these diamonds out of the rough yeah. and turning them into real NBA players. If he ever figured out the offensive side, he would have a legitimate career as a role player. I don't know. I just see Julian Phillips sticking for a long time. I think Phillips actually plays yeah. for a while. Oh, uh, Phillip, Phillips to me is for sure a guy who's getting, you know, close to double digit seasons in the NBA off the back of the defense alone. Yeah. Like he's just too long, the physical stuff. Like I could see him figuring it out if he gets drafted to the right team at the end of the second round. And they'll probably be a good team. Like if he gets, I mean, even the Hawks, he would stick. Like he would play uh, I, for Quinn Snyder. I've got the career path actually outlined perfectly here in my head for him. Okay. Um, Gets drafted, I don't know, we'll guess like 38th or whatever. Uh, I, don't, I have no idea who that is in the draft order. Yeah. But he ends up being better than expected, right? So mm-hmm. he ends up being like a fringe starter. And there comes a game in the playoffs. This team makes it like a five seed or whatever. Mm-hmm. Comes a game in the playoffs. Julian Phillips takes one shot in 22 minutes. And he gets some of the worst roasting you've ever seen online. He gets the get ready to learn Chinese buddy meme sent to him. Mm-hmm. Um, that that's what the career path is, but it's still a career path that results in like eight NBA seasons. Yeah, he's gonna get paid. Like he's gonna he's gonna stick around uh, and keep getting. He's gonna do like the Tony Snell thing, where he's just long in the physical <laughs> stuff. Where he's gonna get his cardio in uh, up or... to and including the graphic of Tony Snell having zero point zero rebounds, yes. and zero assist in thirty one minutes. Yes, that's a full on Julian Phillips type deal. <laughs> it's all too realistic which is sad yeah and it's funny too because it's like out of the group of kennedy um keon and Jaden, and then you throw in julian in that mix like if you had to tell me even before anything else of the four who i thought would last in the nba the longest i would say julian it wasn't even particularly close like and i think julian will end up outlasting them yeah let, let me read off a julian uh stat line from college for you here and i want you to guess which game it was okay and it was against a good opponent. Okay. Um, 23 minutes, two points, one rebound, one assist. Kentucky? Uh, earlier in the season. Texas? It was Arizona. Arizona. He, he was absolutely just getting cardio on offense in that one. Two points in 23 minutes is kind of amazing, <laughs> by the way. Especially, and, and it's not like he just was off. He mm. attempted four shots. Uh, that's that's what that's a little thing we call going Justin Powell mode. 
and very different players. <laughs> very different and somehow all the same. Absolutely. Uh, so that's why well.substack.com. Subscribe today. Type in your email. Become a subscriber. That easy. That simple. Will, what can the good folks check out from you over there this week? Uh, highly recommend popping in there in the uh, near future. Got more, you know, team breakdowns coming. But this mm-hmm. week we, I start, I, why don't, I don't know why I say we. It's just me that works on the site. I do that um, too with the pod and everything else. It's like it's we. I don't know why we do this collective we. Yeah, I, I wish I knew. But mm-hmm. we, yeah, we uh, <laughs> just broke out a new series about fixing the college basketball schedule. And so mm-hmm. the first piece, we're bringing back um, Bracket Busters, Uh-oh. which is from the late 2000s, early 2010s, where they they uh, promoted mid-major basketball over the course of a weekend. Mm-hmm. Like, I remember a game where they gave, it was Butler versus Drake, and it was like the primetime game on ESPN that night. Uh-huh. It was wonderful. Yeah. We got to bring that back. We need, we need Iona playing uh, vermont or whoever on a friday night mm-hmm. or iona playing colgate or whatnot so uh we're, we're looking for ways to get the teams that need some more publicity on tv a lot of teams mm-hmm. that won't wouldn't be on any of the espns whether it's you know main two or espnu mm-hmm. at all during the season until the conference tournament so i think we need a little bit of that in there um more coming in that regard i think there's a way to rework uh multi-team events or MTEs as they're called to be a little more efficient and better uh, in helping the teams that need help. Um, and I think you can make the argument Uh-oh. for, and this is, this is one of the crazier ideas we'll explore later in the off season, adding a week before conference tournaments in the NCAA tournament to schedule non-conference games. If you want an extra resume boost. What do you think the odds of them doing that is? Zero. That's <laughs> part of the experiment. We want to see if it would affect anything. What would you guess? Do you think it would affect anything? I think if you made the right... Here's the thing, though. You uh-huh. get to see which teams are willing to take the risk. Because we're going to say, like, based on what we know about the net, if you play, like, you know, number 270, doesn't mm. matter. Like, completely pointless. But do you have the nuts to say, hey, we're going to go schedule 24-8 and eight Marshall in an mm. attempt to get one more quadrant two or quadrant one victory, let's see it. You know, bonus points if you're willing to go play that game on the road to really uh, solidify your resume. I like this. It's just stupid enough to be interesting. It reminds me of uh, the rest of development of like it didn't work for those people, but <laughs> it might work for us. Well, look, the only people who have told me they would never do something like this are, are coaches in, like, big six leagues. But mm. if you're in Conference USA and you need to get into the tournament, what's stopping you from scheduling UCF? That's fair. Um, <laughs> all right, Will. Well, there you go. So that's why will.substack.com. Go subscribe today. Will, thank you as always, my friend, and I will talk to you next week. Thanks. For- All right, hello, welcome back. Chase Thomas Podcast, taping this on a Thursday night. First timer all the way down there in Camden County, Georgia. I first knew Coach Heron back when he was at Gracing, because I'm a Partview alum, and I got to go ahead and throw that out there from the start here, Coach, because there is some level of bias on that front uh, for me in that those early Grace and Partview years. But uh, Coach Jeff Heron is here, Camden County Wildcats. Coach, good evening, sir. How are you? I'm doing great, Chase. How- 
Uh, pretty good. Pretty good. How is uh, is it already too hot down in South Georgia at the moment? You know, uh, it, we had a few days. We just finished with spring practice. And, mm. you know, of our 10 days, we only had about two that were really, really bad. Mm. And we finished up on Tuesday night. And the last two days, we've had afternoon storms. It's cooled everything off. So uh, it's been actually pretty good for May. What do you, what's different? Do you change your spring practice uh, routine in Camden versus what you were doing back in the day in Grayson just because of the temps or no? Not really. Um, mm. Our kids are kind of used to the heat. I mean, mm. we, we have it almost year round, so they're, they're pretty used to that. And, um, you know, again, it, you know, May is usually fairly comfortable and we get a good breeze off the ocean down here, which makes it a little bit more bearable. How did spring practice go? You said it just wrapped up here. Are you happy with how everything unfolded? Yeah, I, I was very pleased. I mean, literally, you know, of our, you know, we, we had nine days of practice in the inter-squad game, and uh, we, we had about as perfect a weather as you could get. And, um, you know, we went Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, Friday the first week, Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, Friday the second week and then finished up this Monday and Tuesday and uh, didn't have any major injuries. Uh, we were extremely physical with them for nine straight days and uh, mm. ten counting the game. So uh, I felt like we had a really good spring. Do you do full installs? Do you wait until the summer to get into that? What? How much do you really throw at them at this point in the, in the calendar? Well, I've always been one of those whole part whole guys, and uh, mm. we throw everything at them in the spring. Okay. And, um, you know, it's kind of one of my coaches says like throwing tomatoes at a wall and we <laughs> see what'll stick, but mm -hmm. uh, we throw more at them in the spring than we probably should. Um, but we just, we want to expose them to it. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, we, we got this dead week coming up and so we, we give them actually about two weeks off and then we come back in the summer, we start trying to go back and fix things. Uh, but you know, we, we do a ton of things in the spring, get it on camera, um, and then we come back and try to fix it and, and, you know, become a little more elementary during the summer and hopefully just keep adding to it to get to the fall. Do you take a break during this dead period to not watch football or think about football? Or are you watching tape at this point? <laughs> well, I have been this week. Uh, we, we actually had our end of the year coaches meeting today mm -hmm. and, uh, you know, we're out of school tomorrow and yes, I will. I'll take about a week and a half where, I will try not to think about it too much, but you know, we, we, we got a plan the summer, which we pretty much got that already done. Um, but you know, you can't ever get too far away from it, but I do try to take a little bit of time off. When Jeff Heron gets away from it though, what does he do? What does he like to do? Well, uh, this first week coming up here, uh, I'm going ahead to Florida. Okay. For us is six miles, but mm -hmm. we're going to go a little further South than that. And we're gonna spend a week down there. We're gonna come straight back, and then we're gonna spend a week in Tennessee. So, oh, you're up here. What part of Tennessee are you coming up to? Well, my wife's from Livingston, Tennessee, okay. a little bit north of Cookville, and uh, mm -hmm. we have a house there that um, you know we, every, every chance we get, uh, we thought we'd like to get up there. It's 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 kind of our our, our oasis, and mm -hmm. we really enjoy being up there and getting away from everything. Are you more of a mountain guy or a beach guy? You know, I probably would say mountain. Uh, I, mm. I was born. Uh, I was born in Kingsport, mm. and uh, lived right across the state line uh, uh, in Gate City, Virginia, which was really, really in the mountains. Mm -hmm. 
you know, the first college game I ever saw was at Knoxville and, um, you know, worked at Tennessee Tech and mm. uh, for a couple of years. So, you know, I, I don't know. I, I like them both. I really do. I like the beach, but I do like uh, I do like the uh, uh, mountains as well and, you know, feel like I'm a, a mountain boy at heart. I love it. Um, what do you uh, what do you think of Heupel's offense? What do you do you enjoy watching this Tennessee group the last couple of years? You know, I really have. You know, mm. it's not my style. You know, mm-hmm. I, it's not me. But what he has done is very innovative, and it is fun to watch. And it is certainly, uh, you know, it is it has narrowed the gap for Tennessee and these other teams. And uh, you know, certainly he's done a great job and. Uh, they know what they're doing. They have a system. They know what to go to when that people take certain things away. So, yeah, it's been fun to watch them. Do you think if you get started, like this is year one for you in 2023, do you think your offensive style would be what it is now? Or do you think it's just because of how, when you got into coaching, you just kind of had an identity and you've kind of, you've obviously had to evolve some over the years, but do you think it would be a completely different thing versus what you do now? You know, it's hard to say. Um mm. You know, my, my high school coach, uh, his philosophy is still kind of embedded in me. Uh, mm-hmm. I'd have grown up with a different high school coach, different philosophy, who knows. But, you know, I, I learned a lot about this offense. I had a, a just wonderful opportunities to learn at the University of Delaware and stuff. But I've always felt like this: the, the number one thing about an offense is it's got to be a system mm-hmm. of answers. And it doesn't matter, run, pass, you have to have answers because anybody can take certain things away from you. Mm-hmm. you, know, you just have to know what to go to. It has to be a part of your offense. And, um, you know, sometimes you get beat because people just have better players. Uh, but, you know, sometimes you get beat because you don't have answers. And uh, the offense that we run and, you know, what Tennessee runs, are very similar in that respect. And I feel like, you know, we have – like that, that he has answers. I like it. Um, what are some early differences you're expecting from this year's team versus last year's team? Well, first thing, you know, we got off to a really slow start last year. Mm-hmm. It was very frustrating. And, uh, but we were really young and we have a lot of uh, guys this year back. And, um, you know, you could tell that in spring practice, you could tell it in our winter workouts. So, uh, we're hoping to get off to a little bit better start this year. And, uh, you know, again, it's just this is the third year with these same kids. We've gotten better in the weight room. Uh, we've gotten better on the practice field. And, and, you know, now we need to show up and be even better on on, the, on Friday nights. Absolutely. And the good thing is it's not like you're in this uh, unbelievable, crazy classification down there in South Georgia, right, Coach? At least you, the competition's mild, to say the least. At least that's what you got going for you each and every year. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's like being in the SEC, you know, and you just don't get any off weeks in our no. And uh, but you know, it makes it fun. I, I was mm. guy called me about a job in Oklahoma, and I told today. Mm. Listen, there, there is nothing like South Georgia football on a Friday night. Mm-hmm. Nothing like it. What would you say is the best part of Camden County footballs on Friday night? Camden County football games on Friday night. We're a one horse town, and mm-hmm. there's nothing else here to do on Friday night. Everybody <laughs> games. I mean, uh, we had almost four thousand people at our inner squad spring game on Tuesday night. Wow. So, you know, it's it's. Uh, 
you know, very, very good atmosphere to play and coach in. And, you know, everybody loves football here. And again, it's a lot like the SEC, like a lot like the University of Tennessee. You know, there's not a lot of other options here on the mm-hmm. side goes to the game. And it's like that. Probably the best thing. Uh, what do you think is the strongest position group going into this summer for you? Where do you where do you think you're the most set? Well, again, we have a lot of people back, so I, you know I, I don't know that I could specify one position. You know what? Um, we're really strong at safety. We're a little inexperienced at corner. Mm. We're pretty experienced, uh, you know, at linebacker. Uh, we we've got a couple guys back up front, defensive line. You know, so uh, offensively. Uh, we're kind of real strong in the middle of our offensive line. Uh, we lost both our tackles that we're having to replace. Uh, but, you know, quarterback's back. Our running backs are back. Receiver's back. You know, uh, we've got a five-star kicker. We've got a knack. Uh, so all those things, um, you know, make, makes me feel pretty good about going into this season. I like it. Um, coach, when you were when you're thinking about like last year and uh, to this year, I, I imagine you're always doing some sort of self evaluation after the season. What did what did you learn about yourself as a coach or what changed uh, even if it's something small from what you learned about last year uh, versus this year? Uh, you know, you know, I think in our business you you have to learn constantly, but mm. if- Primarily, it's you, you have to learn what your kids are good at. Mm. And again, people talk about offensively what you do, what you don't do, and all this stuff. But, you know, whether it's me or whether it's Josh Heupel, you know, every team is different. Mm. And you have to learn their strengths and their weaknesses. And uh, so you know, that's something that I've had to learn these kids here, you know, coming back to Camden County you know, it's, it's not the same. I mean, you know, it's, uh, there's a lot of things the same. I'm sitting at the same desk in the same office, but kids are different. You know, the program's different. And so we've had to learn each other all over again. And, uh, you know, again, that's taken, taken a little more time than I actually thought it would to be honest with you. Why do you think that is? Well, you know, I, I guess I just thought, well, I could just show back up and you know, everything would be the same as it had been nine years before. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, the good Lord humbled me there. And, and, and that first year back, uh, we really struggled. And, mm-hmm. um, Did that light and, a fire under you, though, in a weird way where you're like, oh, this is cool. I have to work it. I have to. This isn't going to be easy. Well, it absolutely did. Uh, mm-hmm. There's no question. I, I was one of the most frustrating years, you know, of coaching just because we had mm-hmm. great kids and we had a lot of talent. Um, but we lost, we, we lost all three of our region. Well, we lost, we lost three of our region games, um, in the last minute of the game. And mm-hmm. uh, we lost a uh, cold in overtime. We lost to Tiff County with uh, under two minutes to go. And we lost to Lowndes with 14 seconds to go. And, you know, we just couldn't finish games. And, mm. uh, you know, that was a, an eye-opening experience. And, you know, heck, we between my first year and my second year, we lost eight straight games. And uh, we hadn't lost eight games here before in a decade. Yeah. You know, so um, it definitely humbled me. It definitely made me evaluate everything we were doing with our program. But, you know, the, the kids that I came back to, the kids that I inherited – uh, they didn't know anything about me or anything about our program. 
you know, uh, they were in elementary school when I was here yeah. before, if that. So just had to kind of start over. Uh, it was just like taking a new job. Mm. <clears throat> and, you know, now we've had them three years and uh, they've kind of become our guys and they, they know what to expect. And uh, so that that's that's helped a lot. I like it. Um, who was a tape hero for you last year? I'm always curious about this kind of thing. So, folks, the 4,000 who uh, did not grind the tape throughout this past fall for you and did not see on the stat sheet that this guy was or it could be multiple guys who really you were impressed with and you just you needed week in week out who just who did a lot of the little things that no one really noticed from the outside uh last year's team yeah last year's team well gosh there, there were several uh mm. one, one that jumps out is an offensive lineman named caden thompson okay uh, you know he he he's just uh a tremendous high school offensive lineman mm. you know that, that's never going to play in the sec because of size and stuff like that but he really made things go and one that was a little more visible was jake Lindsay. i mean i think people mm. knew who he was but you know jake uh jake's going to west point uh he he was just that guy that uh you know did everything right you know inspired everybody on the field and um you know just you know, his play and how hard he played certainly lifted everybody up. But, you know, we had a lot of them. Uh, that's mm. the beauty of high school football. There's so many of those kids out there like that. Um, is there going to be, for the folks and for the fans uh, watching this down in Camden, Coach, is there going to be a big change in what they're seeing this fall with the Wildcats versus what they saw last year? Do you think do you foresee a lot of schematic changes, style changes for them, or is it going to look a lot like what we saw this past year? Well, I think we're uh, we're going to be a little different. We we've tweaked some things defensively and uh, brought in a couple of coaches on defense. I think are really going to help us. Mm. Uh, we've we've gotten a little more multiple there, and uh, my coaches uh, they don't believe me, but I keep telling them that we're we're transitioning to a West Coast, more of a West Coast style of offense. Okay, uh, but, but we really are. Uh, mm. We have some kids right now. Uh, you know, that can run and catch and, uh, our receiver core is a little bit better. Our quarterback's another year older. And, uh, so, uh, you know, we're, we're certainly going to try to, to, to move our offense, uh, you know, uh, a little more towards, uh, you know, Bill Walsh type stuff that he used to do, and, you know, because he was, he was very much a wing T concept guy mm-hmm. running the ball, but they had a whole lot of really good stuff from a short passing game too. And, uh, you know, getting Jerry Rice the ball and, and, and all those guys. So uh, we're, we're kind of – I don't know what we'll call it. We ain't figured that out yet, but uh, we are uh, – Multiple wing T. Yeah, we, we spent <laughs> some time studying that in the offseason yeah. and certainly trying to make that transition a little bit. I like it. If I had to poll every player who's played for Coach Aaron uh, throughout your career, what do you think their answer would be the, would be the hardest thing about uh, learning your system and actually is? <laughs> well, I, you know, I don't know if they'd say what learning would be, but, you know. Or we, even playing for you. What do you think is the hardest about playing for you? What do you think they, they would say? Well, I would think, you know, you know how kids are. They used to think all the ones that played 20 years ago think it was a lot harder then than it Everyone is always does that, yeah. You no, know, but we, we have always, uh, we've practiced very hard. Uh, we've tried to be very physical. Um you know, and, and, and I think we've tried to be known for that, you know, our mm-hmm. physicality on Friday nights and stuff. So to do that, you know, you, you have to work that way. You have to mm-hmm. practice that way. 
And so I think, you know, we, we do things like go to camps at uh, West Georgia that I think if most of them would tell you that going to camp at West Georgia or going to camp when we go to Epworth, mm. uh, uh, those were probably the hardest things that they have endured, but also probably the most enjoyable things that they've endured when they look back on it. But, you know, playing for us is not easy. I mean, it's, it's, yeah. it's pretty much a year-round commitment, but I think you have to be that way. Um, you know, if you're going to be successful in 7A football in Georgia, you pretty much have to do that. Like you said, it's the SEC. I tell folks up here, like I go to these games on Friday nights and Thursdays for the rivalry Thursday stuff. And like growing up in uh, Lilburn and just seeing the talent in Gwinnett County back in the day, and it's a lot more sparse now, but um, it's just different. Like you just go back down to a, a class 7A game uh, in the fall now versus, I mean, the highest classification here in Knoxville and East Tennessee. It's just it's just different players, different dudes. And it's uh, it's kind of jarring to see how different uh, these guys are in the level of athleticism across the board. Well, you know, Georgia had more draft picks, I think, yeah. than, you know, any other state. And, and it's not surprising. I mean, uh, you know, it's just Georgia's a, a unique situation where you have a lot of really, really good players. Mm. And you also have a lot of programs where – the administration, the community support football really well. And so there's a lot of money put into it, mm-hmm. so, you know, combination of facilities and coaching and athletes. Um, it makes for really, really good high school football. And, and honestly, you know, I, maybe it wasn't the best in the state when it started or in the nation, you know, four or five years ago, but I certainly think it is now. I tend to agree. Um, your Camden go-to eating spot is where? For the good folks traveling through, where should they stop? Where is Coach Heron gone? Well, it used to be Langs, which is a okay. seafood place down on the river, uh, but they have actually changed the name now. We had a hurricane hit a few years ago, and, and they actually sold it. And I, I ate there uh, Saturday night, uh-huh. but I don't know the name of it. But <laughs> <laughs> Was it just uh, as good or no? Oh, yeah, it was really okay. good. We had to wait a long time because there was a lot of stuff going on. It was very crowded. But it was worth it. And, uh, you know, it's beautiful. It sits down on the St. Mary's River. Mm. And we got some great seafood down here. What's your what's your seafood order? Are you a salmon guy? Are you a trout guy? <laughs> catfish? What are we doing? Oh, no, 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 no. We, we, okay. we, we're going fried shrimp all the way. Fried shrimp all the way. Okay. I, I like it. I like it. Um, Coach, as we end up uh, wrapping up, uh, one quick final question. Your summer vacation, where are you going? Uh, I know you got Tennessee and everything else. What's your, and if not even just where you're going now, what's your favorite summer getaway in, in just your adulthood? What have you, what was your favorite summer getaway? Well, you know, when, when I was a kid, uh, mm. you know, I, I didn't go, I'd never seen the beach until I was probably about 13 years old. So I've always mm. loved going to the beach. Uh, but you know, we do have a spot in Florida that we try to go to. And, uh, uh, when I was younger, we, we would go to a lake in Tennessee, uh, called mm-hmm. Dead Hollow and, um, we would, we would get a houseboat and our kids grew up loving that. But, you know, now, uh, we still go to Florida and we still like to just go to our house in Livingston and, you know, going to Livingston is a getaway for me because mm-hmm. you know, nobody knows me there. Nobody talks to me, coach there. and mm-hmm. I can just relax and, and, and we've got a, you know, uh, about 10 acres. And, um, so it's just kind of nice and private. Okay. Have you seen any black bears? No, I have not. Uh, we've okay. got some, 
uh, out, there's a farm out there. We have a farm out, but I'm sure there's probably some out there, but my kids are the hunters, not me. I, unless they come to town, I'm not going to see them. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. Uh, Coach, how do the good folks down in Camden, Georgia and South Georgia all together support your program and uh, come out and see you and uh, support just the Camden County Wildcats this summer? Well, they're great. We've got some of the best friends or uh, the best support in the country. There, there's no, I, honestly, uh, you know, that was one of the things I missed when I was in Gwinnett County. Um, mm. Again, you go to Lounge or Valdosta or Colquitt Camden on a Friday night, you're going to have a full house. And, mm. uh, you know, it's a, uh, it's a great environment for our kids to play in. It's a great environment to coach in. I love it. Well, good luck to you, Coach, this summer. Uh, fingers crossed for no injuries and just fun, 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 and uh, keep it up uh, with everything at Camden. Um, it's uh, it's cool to see you back coaching. You're you're a coaching legend in the state of Georgia, and I'm glad that uh, you're you're there. And I'm excited to see what uh, the Wildcats do this fall. All right, Chase. I appreciate it. I got to ask now. You yeah. See a Tennessee player. I, my, I'm on my phone, so I can't see it good. But who's the Tennessee player? Oh, that's by? Peyton Manning right there. Uh, got so you. I got Peyton Manning. I've got Ben Matlock, noted yeah. Atlanta trial attorney. Yes. Andy, Andy Griffith, Minamayberry yeah. with uh, him and Barney Fife. And then we got Doc Rivers, uh, yeah. Atlanta Hawks from way back in the day. So I and we got a big Braves banner behind me too. So uh, we're man, prepared. Sound like a man after my own heart. <laughs> there you go. I mean, what's your if like? Are you basketball, baseball? Like, or do you keep up? Are you watching the NBA playoffs right now? Are you all in on the Lakers? What's happening here? Do you have another uh, side to you that people don't know about? It's not all ball. You know, not really. I mean, uh, <laughs> I, I, I watch I watch the NBA when the playoffs get to this point. That's about yeah. it. You know, I might watch the Braves once or twice a year, a few innings. Mm. You know, football's on. I'm going to watch it. Uh, but uh, you know, yeah. I you know, not a not a huge uh, not a huge fan until the playoffs basketball. I, you know, NCAA NCAA basketball. I love when the when the mm. tournament starts, but uh, you know, I'm not going to sit there and watch it on weeknights. And stuff. So, you know, I, honestly, I watch a lot of football film and <laughs> try to learn. So that's about there it. There you go. Well, the Tennessee. Hey, if you want to expand to the to the Tennessee style, like more power to you, Coach. Like I'm, I'm here for it. If we can establish that pi- that pipeline from Camden County to, to Tennessee here, I'm I'm all the way here for it. Good deal. We'd right. love to get some guys in orange. That's for sure. I love to hear that. I love to hear that, Coach. Thank you so much, and we'll have to check back in before the season gets started. All right. Thank you. Nicely done, nephew. Chase Thomas Podcast. Hell yeah. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.